Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me over to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Praise the Lord. Pastor, uh, a few weeks ago was um, ministering along, a, 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 talking about uh, the enemy and just the origin of things and uh, uh, principalities, powers, all these different aspects. If you weren't here for that, uh, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. It's always good, but those were uh, good as normal. But I had a couple of scriptures just uh, stood out to me, and um, since then I've just been kind of rolling around some of the things he said, not that I'm trying to uh, uh, correct anything he said or to, uh, <laughs> or to try to do it better than he did or, or whatever, but um, it's just some things on my heart to believe is what the Lord would have us to do tonight. And to talk about how many know that anytime the Lord, uh, well, the word's always good, right? But if there's something specific rolling around, it's for our, it's for our benefit, amen? And uh, no matter how many times we hear something, even if it's uh, uh, just often, uh, there's some things the Lord wants to talk to us about in these areas. Here in Ephesians chapter 6, um, in the 10th verse, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I say what, you know, it's good to know that, that there is strength to be had and, it's, and it doesn't just depend upon ourselves. There's other strength to be had, amen? Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. What does that look like? What does the power of his might look like? Whatever, I tell you, it is far bigger than whatever you're facing. I mean, the power of the Lord is way bigger than whatever you're looking at, amen? He said, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You're not here to do it on your own. We've got help. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and heavenly places. Uh, the NSAB, the New American Standard, in uh, verse 12, whereas the King James, New King James says, we do not wrestle. It says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And I don't know if Pastor actually read that, that uh, translation a few weeks ago when he was ministering or not, but uh, that, the, that word, our, our struggle, just kind of stood out to me. Our struggle. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Isn't it good to know that people are not your problem? Amen. Even, even your spouse sitting next to you, they're not your problem. Your kids aren't your problem. Your boss isn't your problem. People are not our problem. Amen. A little bit of humor there. Some of you got it. Zach's laughing. We know what's going on in their house. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, people aren't our problem, and it's good to know. You know, the, the enemy always wants to get us uh, to get our attention on somebody else. And, I mean, if we're not aware of where the real trouble is coming from, we're really ineffective at dealing with it. So if you have a problem with your car, you know, if you're not aware of where it's coming from, how are you going to deal with it? If you think it's your AC and it's something else, you're trying to, how many know it's not going to fix the problem, right? They need to be aware of what the problem is. And, and um, unlike car dealerships, the Word of God knows exactly what it is. First, time, first try every time. I recently had to have work done on my car. You know, I was coming to the end of my warranty period and uh, went into the Honda dealer and a month later, every Tuesday, I was down there having them look at it where they're trying to find what this issue was before the warranty ran out. I mean, it didn't take that long for the Word of God to show us what our issue is, right? And if we're missing, it's because we're just being hard-headed. But um, people are not our problem, and it's so important to make sure that we don't get our attention on the wrong thing. People are not our issue. And like I said, I know these are things that we know, but like I said, I felt impressed to go back and talk about some of these things that there is a, there is a, the scriptures in the New Testament, New King James says, 
We wrestle not, and the New American said, our struggle. There is a struggle. There is a wrestling that goes on. But it's important to always know, obviously, first and foremost, who our source is. Uh, go with me to John chapter 10. This is a verse most of you know, John 10, 10. I'll wait till you get there. But um, this is something that is commonplace in the body of Christ. This, uh, 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 a wrong belief and a wrong way of looking at this is something that is very common in the body of Christ. And, you know, it's important that we stay on top of this and make sure that uh, our foundation is sure in some areas. But in John the 10th chapter, 10th verse, it says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life, they might have it more abundantly. I mean, we've all seen it, we've all heard it. Some kind of tragedy happens, a tornado comes through or something happens, some fire or something, and people immediately start talking about, uh, oh, why did the Lord let this happen? I think Doug even referenced, you know, when hearing a, a, a diagnosis, oh God, how would you let this happen? Why would you do this? How many know that that happens all the time? And if we're not careful, even in our own lives, there can be a, there can be a quick uh, rush without even, not even thinking about it, those kind of thoughts can begin to rise and come up on the inside. We need to deal with those the right way. The thief is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Anything that is stealing, killing, and destroying is not from God, it's from the enemy. We have to know that, not just in theory or in principle, but in reality, be convinced of the fact that, listen, everything that's coming that's bad, that's evil, is coming from the enemy. It's not coming from God. It's not coming from, uh, obviously, sometimes our decisions get us in situations, but how many know that wrong decisions are being influenced by wrong things? right, that have their origin in disobedience, have their origin in not obeying God. So stealing, killing, and destroying always comes from the enemy. We've got to be, we've really got to be sure of this and make sure that our foundation is strong no matter, and because not just when things come up that, that, that arise to know how to address them, but really to know what to address. You know, in the life of a believer, anything that would steal, kill, or destroy, not just in your body, or in your finances, but how about in your peace, in your joy, or, or in your confidence, or, or whatever these things are. I mean, anything that would try to come in and rob, to steal, kill, or destroy, we have to recognize that that's not just life. That's not just the way it is. That's just not the human condition. If it's robbing, if it's stealing, if it's killing, if it's destroying, it comes from no other place but from the enemy. That's something Jesus said. He said that the enemy has no place in him. We ought to be able to say in our own life that the enemy has no place in us, right? Not just when something comes to know how to address it, but to know what to look for. Anything that's, that's the opposite of the will of God, that's stealing, killing, and destroying, if we're living aware of that, the Holy Spirit will help us to, to, to and if you can ask him to help you, any area that's falling short of the goodness and grace of God, to make it, have him help you see what it is so you can deal with it. I mean, we shouldn't allow the enemy any place in our life. We shouldn't allow the enemy any place in our life. You realize he is so far beneath who you and I are. He, the, I love the scripture in, 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 uh, in, in Corinthians 6, you know, what fellowship is there with light and dark? There should be no fellowship even in our light, in our life. Stealing, killing, and destroying in, in the abundant life of God, there should be no, there should be no coexistence. That one of the scriptures, you know, about, uh, uh, talking about um, elders, that to be hospitable. You know, we, should, we shouldn't be hospitable to the enemy. Hospital to everybody else, but what the enemy's got to sell, what he's got to say, the things that come out of his mouth and the things he tries to do. We should have no place, give no place to the devil. You know, this whole thing, this whole idea that's out there that has been uh, uh, presented, like I said, it is very common. 
And, and if you're out and about on the job, you know, I know, you know, before, you know, working at, at, at Citibank or wherever, stuff would happen. This was even people who were non-churched and churched alike. It, would, it wouldn't take very long for conversations. Well, you know, Lord works in mysterious ways and, and make little comments. I think about, you know, when my, when my granddad, uh, my dad's dad died when he was 11, people said, you know, oh, you, you know, God just he gave the example, you know, God wanted, a, uh, wanted another flower in his garden or, or some other kind of nonsense and, and trying to make people feel well. Well, feel better. How do you know that doesn't make somebody feel good? It caused somebody to want to run from God. That's not what he does. That's not what he tries to do, but it is so common, and really, it's insidious. It is an insidious idea. It is a lie. It goes back to the enemy attacking the very character of who God is. See, we see this as sometimes maybe just as just, a, oh, that's a, yeah, we know that's true, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. When we hear these kind of things, it ought to bother us. It ought to grate us. It ought, it ought to just on the inside of us absolutely just turn our stomach when we hear that kind of thing. Because it's not just a, a simple little lie, just a simple little thing. It is something that the enemy uses to, very, to challenge the very nature, the very, the very fabric of who God is. I mean, there, there's, not, there's not even a hint of evil in him. There's not even a bit of this in him. He is, he is a good father. He is a just God. He is a just father. He's looking for opportunities to be good and to do good in our lives. And the enemy, from, from the very beginning, when he felt he was, con he's been constantly been challenging the character and nature of God. It's an insidious thing. And it should be something that just turns our stomach when we hear it. The problem is when you hear something enough, 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 eventually become used to hearing it. And it's so commonplace in our culture to hear these kind of things. Like I said, you turn on the news, anytime something bad happens, you turn on the news, and somebody's got something to say about it. This almost without fail comes up. You know what I'm talking about. We've got to make sure this stays real to us so that we don't fall victim to being desensitized to a lie. You know what the enemy's doing? He's trying to set you up to buy into something that's not real. Because the minute you start thinking and start believing and being okay with the fact that maybe God is opposing you, then your faith is, is on shaky ground. How can you trust God to do anything in your life if you, at the same time you think he's doing something to you? There's no foundation to believe God for anything. You see, these things come up and, and they come over years and over uh, amounts of times and things are just said and things are just said and we can become desensitized to it. Listen, the enemy's playing the long game. He's playing the long game. He's not, he's not always looking for immediate results or immediate damage in your life. But if he can just put little seeds, little thoughts, little things, little, little ideas, let's, let's let you become used to certain things and concepts where they don't bother you anymore, right? Then he's slowly working his way to getting a lie into your life so he can do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. We need to stay on top of these things. And how many know that that is a struggle? There is a constant battle in this area to make sure that our, our thoughts are right on these things, right? We don't struggle against flesh and blood. People are our problem. The enemy is our problem. And anything he's got to are, are not our problem. He is our opposition. He's the one that there is a we are fighting against, that our battle is against, that our struggle is with. And so we need to make sure that we stay in a position that, that we know who he is and our tension's in the right place place. Amen. We've got to be able to answer this in our lives, but also help those who are deceived. We've got to be able to help those who are deceived. How many know that's part of our, our responsibility is to be, to, to be carriers of the truth. 
Now, when something happens in somebody's family, I would say it's not the best time to correct it right then, but you can begin to pray for somebody and ask the Lord to give you opportunities to come in and begin to share the truth and be able to show the love of God to somebody and express who God really is in their life. But we've got to know these things for ourselves. We've got to know these things for ourselves. Any area of our life where there's stealing, killing, and destroying, we know it does not come from God. It comes from the enemy. Go over to John, the, you're in the 10th chapter. Go back to the 9th chapter, John chapter 9. Jesus, his words and his works revealed the heart of God. Like I said, these are important things. These are foundations to our faith. These are foundations to our trust in God. He said here in the fourth verse, he said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. He said, I must work the works of him who sent me. What was he saying? The things that Jesus did were not his own. They were the ones of the, uh, of the one who sent him. You can go over to the 14th chapter, John 14 in the seventh verse. In John 14, seven, he said, if you had known me, you would have known my father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Well, poor Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said, have I been with you so long, and yet you, do not, you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father, so how can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I, that I am the father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. See, this was something that even Jesus had to get out of his disciples. They had been traveling with him, and even with him, they didn't recognize where the source of things, they didn't recognize who, what Jesus was doing. He was giving a clear indication of who the Father was. They needed this for the rest of their life. I mean, when Jesus left the scene, there was a struggle that the, the apostles went through. There, there was opposition that came their way. Pastor said this morning that all of them uh, uh, faced things, and many of them, most of them were martyred except for John. And, and uh, I mean, they faced things in their life, but they had to know who God was. They had to know what, what, what was coming against them, what they were standing against. Just the, the things that they faced, had they not been sure of what, who, who, who was bringing this and where their source of, of trouble was coming from, they'd have folded. And really the gospel, the, the, the move of God that, that Jesus had begun would have fizzled out. Listen, what God has started in your life, he wants to finish. What he started in your families, he wants to finish. What he started in this church, he wants to finish. We've got to recognize when opposition comes, it's the enemy trying to hinder and prevent God from accomplishing his will. And what Jesus does, what God does is always to promote us and move us forward and to respond to that and only accept that in our lives. He's a good God. Everybody say that, my God's a good God. Say, my God's always good to me. He's always good to me. He's always good to me. He's always good to you. He doesn't know what, how to do anything other than be good to us. He doesn't know how to do anything else other than be a blessing. He doesn't, have, know, he doesn't know what else to do other than to invest in us. God's a good God. I do believe, you know, a greater revelation of this in our life will cause us to begin to look for this more in our life. 
just an awareness of the fact of the fact that God is always good and he's always looking to be good will cause us to, to begin to, to open our eyes and look around and recognize. And only when you recognize the goodness of God can you begin to participate with the goodness of God. Begin to see it for what it is and begin to respond to it. Listen, sometimes the goodness of God may seem difficult at the moment or painful at the moment because it's only painful on our flesh. Right? Asking us to do something we don't want to do because we, we want to do something else. It's the goodness of God that's bringing that our way. God is a good father. He's a good God. But like I said, there is a struggle. There, there is a, an adversary that is against us. Go over to 1 Peter, uh, the fifth chapter. 1 Peter chapter 5. Hallelujah. Enemy's got no place in me. Does he have any place in you? No, 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 no. Amen. First Peter, the fifth chapter says, likewise, you older people submit yourself. This is the fifth chapter, fifth verse. Likewise, you younger people submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Now the scripture I wanted to read was in, in, in verse eight, but I just couldn't get away from uh, the fifth verse. Notice it says, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know, this is a powerful statement here that, 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 is, that is recorded for our benefit. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know, pride, pride is really our own thoughts, our own ways, our own attitudes, our own ideas that we are placing above what God would say. I mean, if we're in that position, God actually himself resists us. You know, so you can have somebody resist you. You don't want God resisting you. We want to stay humble, open to his word. Stay open to the word of God. Stay open to the voice of God. Stay open. Stay open. Now, listen, no matter, what, no matter how long we've been born again, no matter how long you've known the Lord, no matter how long you've worked with God, walked with him, no matter what you've experienced, good or bad, stay open. Stay open. I mean, it's a dangerous place to get to where we where close ourselves off to what the Lord would, be, would say and want to do in our life. It's a dangerous place to get in that area to begin to, 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 to put up a, a barrier to what he wants to do. Stay open to what he, what he has to say in your life. It's, it's such important. We want, God to, we want God's grace. We don't want his resistance. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, Humble yourself, only you can do it. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may what? Exalt you in due time. When we humble ourselves to God, when we yield ourselves to him, it's always for our exaltation. Always for our exaltation. Why? Because he's a good God. He's looking to do good things in our life. He's always looking to do good in your life, amen? Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Verse eight, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, you're the, the one who is in opposition of you, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That means he can't devour whoever he wants to devour. He can't just devour whoever wants, it's whom he may devour. It says, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around or walks about like a roaring lion, uh, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. 
Resist him steadfast in the faith. Verse 10, but, but may, may the God of, our, of, of all grace, who called us to, to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Like I said, I wanted to look at this verse number eight that we need to, uh, 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 that the enemy walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and resist him. And we're going to get back to that. But these scriptures before and after just, just also, I felt like we need to look at these, that we need to make sure that we're uh, not living in pride, not choosing our own way, but we're humbling ourselves before God. But also goes on to say in the 10th verse that after we've suffered a while, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Now that phrase there, I know for a long time, I didn't like reading that. After you suffered a while, I just, after, I don't, that didn't sound good at all. I'll just real quickly go over that and move on to something else. I looked it up today, what, the, what that actually means. It means to experience a sensation or impression, usually painful to feel something. Now we're talking about we're talking about our adversary. We're talking about the struggle and, and resisting. We, well, this is a part of it, but there is a part of suffering that comes in that the Bible actually talks about. He said, "After you suffer a while, that you'll be per- perfect, established, strengthened, and settle you." And that word just simply means to experience a sensation or impression, sometimes or usually painful, or to feel. Many times, the first sign of suffering, we want to run. Right. At the first sign of suffering or feeling inconvenience, we want to run. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody been there before? Oh, Lord, we just, we love you. We're, we're, we're on board with you. We're, we're, we're all in. And, and then there's, there's a giving project. I don't, oh, I'm, I'm feeling that. I don't like that. So I, I'm going to move on to something else, right? How many know that, that the part of the process, our struggles, you're going to feel there's going to be some suffering involved, and that's all right. Not getting a whole lot of amens out of that. Nobody, oh, I don't like the suffering. There is a suffering to following a feeling of these things. Do you think Noah suffered? Now, Wednesday nights, we've been talking about faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, it starts on all these different, do you think, do you think Noah suffered? He worked for years building that boat. Do you think there was some suffering there? Do you he had some blisters as a result of that? Do you think he had some people talking about him? Oh, yeah, they thought he was crazy, right? Do you think Moses suffered? Yeah. He'd rather, he'd rather obey God than enjoy the pleasures of Egypt. Do you think he suffered for some of that? He had to deal with the Israelites. That was suffering right there, right? You read through these, these, these accounts in the Bible, and, and opposition comes. There's suffering attached to it. Don't run from temporary pain. Don't run from temporary pain. Embrace it. Know that it, is, it, is, it will work for your benefit at the end. If you'll stand your ground and do what God's called you to do and stick with it, stand against that opposition, recognize it's not coming from God, and the fact that you're getting opposition means you're making progress, right? Noah didn't need, they didn't need, to, Noah suffered. There was no need for suffering if he just was like everybody else. Moses wouldn't have experienced suffering if he had told God, don't, not gonna do it. See the bush? That's cool. Not going there. Right? But if you're going to do what God's called you to do, there's going to be some suffering. You're going to have some opposition. That's part of our struggle. And if we live a life where we're only looking for the easy thing, the easy way out, the easy, the easy answer, the easy situation, we will miss out on what God has called us to do. 
This is for somebody tonight. You've been going through a period of struggle and there has been opposition coming your way. It's not God, it's the enemy and don't quit. It is not God, it is the enemy and do not give up. Don't cast aside your confidence. Don't say this is too hard. Listen, it is not too hard. Hey, listen, the same, do you think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do you think they struggled a little bit? They had some suffering there? Yeah, they did. We've got, we've got to know, listen, God's a good God. He's there to bless us. He's there to empower us. He's there to enrich us. And when anything that comes our way, we are well able to handle. Why? Because we've got a big God on the inside of us. We're in covenant with the creator who's only looking to do good things in our life. We can't let these things throw us off our game. Go over to Ephesians chapter 6. This is going to be somewhat short tonight. I know this is a miracle for me, but uh, Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Uh, we still got time to, to disprove that. But anyway, uh, Ephesians, the sixth chapter. <laughs> you know, I want to get out what's on my heart tonight, but I don't want to just add more things than we need to. But, but listen, we, we've got to have some spiritual fortitude to ourselves. You've got to have some don't quit in you. You've got to have some I'm not going to quit. I'm not, I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to do what I know is right. Most of the struggle that we experience is going to be done right inside of here. Lies of the enemy, thoughts, feelings that try to come our way. You need to resist that. Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verse 10. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And did, I, did I read this? Yeah, we read this. In the, in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Verse 13, therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. We've got opposition. There is a struggle against. Uh, there, there, is, there is something that we're struggling against. It's a struggle, right? It can be a struggle. It doesn't mean it's, it's, it's defeat. It means there's opposition that's there. But notice verse 13. It says, therefore, because of these things in mind, Take up the whole armor of God. It means get in the fight. It means get in the fight. Listen, if you're not fighting, if you're not struggling, if you're not opposing, you're losing. If you're not fighting, if you're not, if you're not uh, taking up the armor of God, if you're not putting action to these things, if you're just sitting on the, way, on the sideline, you are losing. You know, there are no conscientious objectors in this, in this battle. There are no conscientious objectors in this fight. There are no conscientious, nobody can say, listen, I'm going to take this one off. The enemy walks around like a roaring lion seeking he may, whom he may devour. He walks day and night. He's always looking for those he may devour. How many know those he may devour are the ones that open the door to him, yet the ones, someone who he may devour, someone who doesn't know Jesus, he may devour them. But even a believer can be devoured if they open the door to the enemy. That's why it's important how we live. You can't just live any way you want to, then you, you, you give place to the devil. You open the door to his attack. But another way that we give place to him, another way that we do that is by doing nothing. 
Not doing anything bad, but not being, what is the best defense? It's a good offense. Instead of, instead of we, we give place, we allow him to move because he's looking for opportunities. If we're stagnant, he, he, can, he, can, he can chew on us because he's like a roaring lion, but we know he's a cat with no teeth, but he can begin to gum us if you're not moving. You've got to be busy. You've got to be busy. I know the last several weeks it's been something that's been, 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 been in my heart just for my own life, but also for, for us as a church. We've got to be active. We've got to be busy in pursuing God. We've got to be busy in using our faith. We've got to be busy in looking for the enemy when he pops his head up to hit him like a whack-a-mole, right? To say, not here, devil. Not now, not ever, right? You know, in good times, you're still fighting. In good times, you're still fighting. And when I say good times, when there, when there doesn't seem to be anything major going on, you're still fighting, right? You're still fighting. I've been reading a, a book, you know, I, I like history and I, I like World War II history and these things, and I ended up getting a hold of a book about the Revolutionary War, and, and it kind of, uh, for the first time, you know, I was actually interested in the Revolutionary War, and maybe some of y'all really like it a lot. I was always bored with it, but anyway, started reading it and actually become fascinated with some of these things, and in, in one of the battles that George Washington led against, uh, against the, um, the British, I think it was outside of Boston or maybe Philadelphia, they had, um, they attacked and attacked and attacked and attacked, and the British were, were in the city being bombed and being bombarded. And so George Washington made the plan that they would supposedly retreat a little ways and stop shelling them and retreat a little ways and give the British some some quiet time and give them some quiet time. And it was that wasn't it. They weren't in the city. They were actually two lines. They were facing each other, both trying to take the other person's area. So it wasn't, it wasn't just a city. But so George Washington decided to pull his troops back a little bit and gave the British moments of peace Several days of peace, several days of, of, uh, of just comfort and no shelling, no problems. They disappeared off the scene. What he was doing the whole time, they snuck up to high ground and began to dig themselves in in a, in a place that when the British began to move forward, they would walk into a trap. He gave them no opposition, so they started off on guard, but realized they started thinking, well, the enemy's left. The, 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 the colonists have left. They're gone. What was he doing? George Washington was setting them up. And, and the book does a much better job of telling the story that I'm doing. Obviously, I'm not a historian, but, but began to do all, these, all this stuff. And so as the, the British began to move forward, they had their hired, uh, 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 the Germans that were there helping the elite German fighting force that was helping with the British. They began to walk, and even the, even the elite trained German fighters began to, to, to relax. Well, I guess, I guess the colonists have left. I guess they've gone on, they've moved. And what happened, though, they were just drawing them into a trap into a time of, of getting complacent. I mean, you know, in good times, the enemy, sometimes he's not messing with you directly. He's trying to lull you to sleep, trying to get your, your guard down so that he can then do something. Listen, in good times, you're still fighting. You don't take a day off. You don't take a week off. You don't take a month off. You can stay in the fight. When you get a diagnosis, it's not the time to, to, to crack open your Bible, Right? When you get the bill, it's not a time to crack open your Bible. You should stay strong in these things before these things ever come your way. Strengthen yourself. Keep yourself fortified. You're in a battle. You're in a fight. You're, we have resistance that's against us. Sometimes the biggest struggle is with ourselves. I'd rather take a day off. You can't afford to take a day off. You can't afford to take a, to take a day off. 
These are times to strengthen ourselves, times in, to strengthen ourselves, to fortify ourselves in the word of God and in the spirit. Fortify our lives. Parents, when, when things are going good at home, don't just enjoy the days. You're still in a battle. Continue to put things in your kids you need to put into their life. Continue to invest. No matter what the situation is, continue to invest. Continue to invest. Continue to, 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 to stay on guard. Stay on guard. Go over to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to wind this up. This will be short tonight. Maybe. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul was writing here in the 11th verse, but you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Notice he didn't just say flee these things, but he also told him what to pursue, right? He wasn't just don't do this, it was pursue this. What, what is he saying? Stay in the fight. Stay engaged, you're still in the battle. You're, you're still, you're still, you're still, you're still, there's still, a, there's still a fight to be had. There's still a victory to be won, right? Verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing. That means until the very end, you keep fighting. Keep fighting, keep moving forward. Listen, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. Like I said, I knew that this was, I felt like this is what the Lord would have me to speak on tonight. You're in a battle. Keep fighting. You're, 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 in, you're, in, a, you're in a contest. Keep fighting. Fight the good fight of faith. Wish I could get everybody's attention just for a minute. Keep fighting. Well, I've heard this before. What are you doing with it? Keep fighting. Keep, keep adding resistance. Keep pushing against those things. Pastor quoted the scripture this morning, straining, reaching forward. Always be reaching forward. Continue to fight. He called it here, it's a good fight. And I'm just gonna close out with a few scriptures. I can hear Brother Hagin reading these scriptures from hearing in times past. The good fight of faith. 2 Corinthians 2, 14, it says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. We have a struggle that's against us, but he always leads us in triumph. We've got an enemy that's arrayed against us, our adversary, the devil. He walks about like a roaring lion, but God always lead us, leads us in triumph. I love this scripture, 2 Peter chapter 1. You can turn there, 2 Peter chapter 1. This has been something I've been talking about next door the last several weeks, 2 Peter, the first chapter. Oh, Pastor Greg, you don't know what I'm facing. I'm, I'm in the middle of it. It looks hopeless. Uh, it doesn't look like there's any way. Now, get, get your Bible out. Start, start feeding on what God has said about you. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, only what you know will work for you. Only what you know will work for you. Only what you know, what's real to you, will work for you. It's not what your pastor knows. It's not what the person next to you knows. What do you know? What's real to you? Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power. 
I'm glad he put divine power in there because that says it's above anything else. When, some, when divine power is involved in something, that means you can't change it. When divine power is involved, it means the devil can't change it. When divine power is involved, it means circumstances can't change it. It says, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, godlikeness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Listen, no matter what you're up against, no matter what it is, his divine power has given to you everything you need. All things have been given to you. See, sometimes, you know, our opposition, when we are, our, our, our stance, our response needs to be, be excited about the word of God. Just let it become so real to you and so alive on the inside of you when he has something to say or, or another stick gets thrown on the fire, so to speak, that you've got a response. The reality is you can tell where your word level is, is by how long it takes for your response to be correct, right? You have to answer these things immediately. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Romans chapter eight, the 31st verse. You can go look at that one, Romans eight thirty-one. I love the word of God. I'm so thankful we have this. And I'm so thankful it's true. I'm so thankful that it's real. I'm so thankful we can trust in it, amen? In Romans chapter eight, the 31st verse, it says, what then shall, or what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Yeah, there's an opposition that's against us. There, there, there is, there's an enemy that's arrayed against us, and it can be a struggle. It can be painful at times. But listen, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for you, who can be against you? How, how will he not come to your, your aid? How will he not respond when he's already given you all things, freely given them to you? We gotta recognize the lies of the enemy no matter what it looks like or what it feels like, it's absurd. It's absurd. It really is absurd. He's given us these things, they belong to us. Go over to Hebrews, the, 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 four, the second chapter, Hebrews chapter two. Hallelujah, Hebrews the second chapter. Verse 14, it says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of, of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he, speaking of Jesus, might destroy. That word destroy means render powerless. Him who had the power of death, that is the devil. That through death he might destroy, render powerless, to, to make of no effect, to make useless for the purpose of its, of its existence. Him who had the power of death, that is the devil. I just want to encourage you tonight. Listen, I don't know what's going on. No matter what it feels like, no matter what it looks like, keep fighting. Keep pressing forward. Keep standing your ground. What awaits you, the promises of God, that belong, they're yours. They belong to you. 
just because it gets difficult, just because it doesn't feel good, because it feels bad, keep pushing forward. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.